0: Hello everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the UTE Podcast by Developing Lafayette. My name is Ben Powers, I'm your host, and what we like to do with this podcast is we like to invite different business owners, different community influencers in Lafayette Parish that really highlight Lafayette Parish and what we're all about. Today, uh, we got Dustin the Diamond Poirier, right? Yep. All right, yeah, he's, uh, he's a mixed, an American mixed martial artist and a UFC fighter. So we're going to chat a little bit about his life and his career and kind of what's happening with him. But first, uh, we do have to uh, let you know about our sponsors because they are the ones that pay the bills for us, and I like to get paid. So first, we have the Music Academy of Acadiana. They are Acadiana's top choice for music lessons, uh, piano, guitar, voice, uh, drums. If you want to check out violin, you can do that. If you want to be like Kenny G on the saxophone, you can do that. They have audio production, all that good stuff. Uh, they teach students of all ages and styles. They've sent students to college. They've even sent uh, their, their, their kids and uh, students to compete in major music competitions. Uh, they've even premiered on major TV music contests like American Idol and The Voice. Uh, the school was founded by University of Louisiana at Lafayette Music School graduate, Tim Benson. Uh, he is, uh, the school has voted as a top finalist in the best music school by readers of the Times of Acadiana since 2016, and they have won several national music school awards. Uh, they, their goal is to make music lessons fun, educational, and to help foster the next generation of musicians and creative thinkers. Uh, You can check them out, their website, musicacademyacadiana.com, and also they're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, all those fun places. Uh, So I really appreciate them. And also, we have an additional sponsor for this episode, and that is Unique Health and Fitness, as well as Unique Smoothies. They are sister companies, and... Their mission is to help improve the quality quality of life for unique individuals. And by unique individuals, it's individuals with special needs, um, you know, needs like with uh, autism, Down syndrome, uh, cerebral 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 palsy. Oh, that's a mouthful. Uh, and also, uh, unique health and fitness has uh, an adaptive and inclusive kind of facility that uh, the unique population calls their home Um, they also have a another company like i said unique smoothies where it's a it's kind of a pop-up mobile shop at the moment they provide meaningful employment opportunities to the unique individuals uh, through smoothies and smiles you can check them out Uh, their address for unique health and fitness is at 3366 vero school road Uh, in Lafayette and Unique Smoothies is a pop-up so they kind of pop up around Lafayette in all kind of different locations. Um, I think today they were or maybe still are uh, next to the Plaza Goddess Spa. So you can check them out on Facebook as well Unique Health Fitness Lafayette and Unique Smoothies Lafayette. So we really appreciate them and now it's time to get into the nitty gritty of the episode. So Dustin Poirier, thank you for coming on. My pleasure, man.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: Sure. Uh, So how is it going today? Going good,
1: man. Um, Staying pretty busy? Staying pretty busy. My daughter's birthday party's tomorrow. Oh, wow. Yeah, she just turned four yesterday. So just doing all that, you know, that stuff.
0: My son turns four Uh, he's technically turning four the 23rd so we're celebrating his birthday tomorrow as well. Nice. And he's turning
1: four. Yeah that's crazy. It's crazy.
0: (laughs) Uh, How old are you by the way? I'm 31. 31? Yeah. Wow man. Uh, So where were you born and raised?
1: I was born in Lafayette and I was raised um, mostly on the north side. I moved to Karen Crow for a little while and uh, when I was younger and then also a few years later moved to bro bridge for for a little while to live with my father but i was raised on the north side of Lafayette. okay okay so north side guy yeah yeah I, uh we
0: my wife and i and our little boy we live in karen crow and we we like the area we uh we've actually considered like moving to other places in the parish and we're just like you know i don't we kind of like this spot i don't know why it's, yeah uh, you know, it's
1: it's a good spot man and you know you can get good good bit of land there for a good good price and stuff. Oh yeah, it's yeah. definitely more affordable. We're, uh, we're living over in Youngsville right now. but Okay, yeah. okay.
0: So so is Lafayette Parish your primary domain or do, you, or do you have like houses somewhere else where you stay the most? I
1: have a, yeah, this is my homestead. I live in Youngsville, you know, but I have a, a, a place in Florida as well. And I have a place in Carrick but I have a place in Florida that when I train for fights, I go there for 10, 12 weeks at a time. You know, on, on a busy year, I'm there half the year. Wow.
0: Yeah. Well, So Florida, right? Uh, yeah. Is it, is it Boca Raton?
1: Yeah, um, my place is actually Coconut Creek, but okay. Boca would I guess be the biggest place. Kinda like in,
0: yeah, like if somebody's from out of state and you you you're trying to tell them where you live, you don't you probably won't say Karen Crow, you say Lafayette. Lafayette, yeah, know. exactly. That or kind same of thing with New Orleans, you know, you don't say, say Destrehan, you say New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so uh, kind of what age did you get started or get interested in fighting or even fighting professionally? Like how did that come about?
1: Um, I mean that's my whole life it has been a lot of fights and a lot of trouble and stuff like that but as sporting side of it probably 17 years old I wanted to start boxing and I uh, started training in boxing and things like that and then found some found out some guys were doing mixed martial arts and that was back whenever I was just turning 18 17 18 and that was back whenever like mixed martial arts cage fighting had a big push at that time this might have been 05 06, right. 2006 maybe and it was like really making a big splash and, and they started having local shows here at the Blackham and things like that. And I found out that people were training in Lafayette and I found out you know, where they were training at and started working with them. So I kind of pivoted from boxing to mixed martial arts, started doing jujitsu and judo and wrestling and all kinds of things. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned 2005 because I graduated high school in 2005 and that year uh, all, the, all the guys were playing UFC games on Xbox. Or PlayStation, whatever they had. And we would all gather around and, like, you know, take turns fighting. And it was the coolest thing to kind of see that. And I remember UFC kind of really starting to spur up because, you know, wrestling, you know, TV, entertainment wrestling started fading out. And then real kind of, like, cage fighting where blood was involved. Like, real blood was, like, kind of a... Kind of a thing where it's like, wow, this is this is real. Like wrestling, we knew was fake.
1: Yeah, it's not a, it's not scripted like <laughs> wrestling. And I mean, I have buddies who wrestle as well, and that stuff's tough on your body. Like those guys. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, it's very demanding on on those guys, but it's all scripted, and they know what's going on. What I do is, is the real deal.
0: Yeah, there's no scripted with this type of. Nah,
1: body. nah, you scripted yourself <laughs> in person live.
0: Oh gosh, um, so so you mentioned all your life. So I'm guessing there were times in your life where there were fights that were not so professionally oriented. Not
1: so sanctioned, yeah, (laughs) yeah, for sure.
0: Oh gosh, so, I mean, were you like a bad kid or like were you just uh, picked on a lot? Like, how did that kind of... Nah, I
1: I wasn't picked on, I wasn't a bad kid, but I just found trouble often. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. we we all tend to find trouble every once in a while. Yeah. What was your first official fight and where was it held?
1: My first official fight was in Texarkana, at a fairground. Uh, it was a mixed martial arts fight. And it was December of two thousand seven, I wanna say. Two
0: thousand seven. So you were eighteen.
1: I 20.
0: was eighteen. I was eighteen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so so probably I'll, I said two thousand five, probably two thousand six was whenever like the big gotcha. push of mixed martial arts started.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I'm trying to make trying to keep track of yeah, time. Yeah.
1: Um, but my first fight was two thousand seven in Texarkana.
0: And that was a sanctioned fight, like had reps and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, what was there a particular league, or what? What
1: was like? What was the umbrella organization? This was uh, Cage Havoc or something like that. They called it. There's so many small shows, you know, that, that people put on. But this this event was uh, what was it? Holiday Beatdown or something? It was in December, <laughs> you know. And uh, yeah, it was just so, the the name for the for the single event. But I think it was Cage Havoc or something like that. It was the was the company that put it on?
0: Okay, okay. And uh, how many fights did you like do in that particular time? Like, were you actively trying to find fights to get into? Or
1: like, how how, how did that all kind of work? The amateur scene at that time was, was, it's a completely different landscape now, just in those amount of years, you know, I don't even know how long it's been, 13 years since then um, everything's completely different. You know, it's a mainstream sport. It's on ESPN and Fox and Sports Center and stuff like that. Back then it was still kind of, you know, I would say frowned upon, but it was kind of like a, uh, I don't even Almost know. Almost like
0: backyard fighting. It was like
1: you were going to see evil Knievel jump around. Oh, like God. people, buddies would talk about it and they would show up to see somebody do this kind of thing. I and mean, we'd have crowds of 300, 500, you know, and then over the years growing, you know, to thousands and tens of thousands and yeah yeah. stuff like that but uh back in that time i was just training in louisiana training in lafayette on johnson street uh, at universal martial arts okay and uh trying to find fights you know trying to meet people who had connections with promoters and had connections with people putting on fights in cut off Louisiana, and Mississippi, and Texas. Anywhere we can get together and fight somebody in a cage at the same weight we were trying to do to get that experience. And that's how amateur mixed martial arts was back then. Now it's, even the amateur stage now is more sanctioned and, and governed. You know, it wasn't like, it was the Wild West back then. You just <laughs> Some shows you'd go to, they'd allow you to throw elbows. Some you had to wear puffy gloves. Some were, you know, small gloves. It was just, the rules were whatever you wanted to agree on oh, wow. that night.
0: Wow, so it was wild. Like, you could pick if you had gloves or not. Or uh, what type of gloves? Yeah,
1: what type of gloves.
0: Okay. There's never any, like, bare-handed
1: type stuff. There is. There's bare-knuckle a bare knuckle boxing now. Okay. I have a couple buddies fighting in that. And uh, actually a big fight coming up in September. One of my buddies, I'll, I'll be at that one in Florida. But uh, that's a different sport. That's boxing.
0: Okay, yeah. yeah. So bare UFC, boxing. UFC is, like, it's kickboxing, is it? It's kickboxing.
1: Uh, it's mixed martial arts. It's a yeah. bunch of disciplines mixed in one. It's boxing, wrestling, kickboxing, judo, jiu-jitsu, uh, karate, Taekwondo—it's everything you can do in one. Uh,
0: so, what is your what what does your family think about it? Like, what did they think about it ten, thirteen years ago, compared to how they they look at it
1: nowadays? My mom was—I <clears throat> mean, I'm, you don't want to see your son fight grown men for for free. I was doing it in a cage back then. I was doing it for free. You know, as an amateur, you don't make money. Um, I'm working a full-time job and spending my money on on. Filling the gas tank up and buying fight equipment to go fight these guys, and you know she she but she's always been supportive. My dad, on the other hand, when I told him, he's like, "What you're gonna do this? You're gonna let these guys, <laughs> you know, do this for free? You're not gonna get paid." He was kind of, but they're, obviously now they're both huge fans and and proud to yeah. say what I do. Yeah, yeah. But uh, back back then, whenever I, I brought it to him and told him this is what I was I was doing, it was kind of you know a shock for them.
0: It was almost like uh, I know this is probably. the the worst way to compare, but it's almost like coming out of of a closet saying, like, I'm going to be a
1: fighter. Yeah, Mama joined Fight Club, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Did you get in, like, any serious, um, like, accidents or, like, injuries at those times, in amateur times?
1: In amateur, maybe small cuts here and there. I, uh, you know, I've had a pretty relatively long career in in a lot of fights, and, and I've been pretty fortunate and haven't had any serious injuries. Um, but I try to take care of my body and do everything right. Um, yeah. Back then, small cuts, nothing yeah, serious. Yeah, yeah.
0: What about today? Like what was, uh, is there like a particular
1: cut or injury that you've gotten that you feel like was like the worst? I had a very, very serious hip surgery in October last year. Uh, almost a six hour surgery. They oh, had wow. to fracture my femur and, and do some stuff like that and shave a bunch of bone down. That was probably the most serious thing that I've had done. And why, what, what caused that? I had a uh, bone, just years of pushing my body to the limits. Mm. And my body pushed more calcium and my bone growth, uh, my bone overgrew in my hip ca- socket. So I couldn't rotate and it tore my labrum uh, all up. It was just real, real bad. Oh, that sounds
0: terrible. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like it hurt.
1: I tried to prevent surgery. About a year before that, I went and do stem cells in California, mm-hmm. got them shot into my hip. And that didn't really do a whole lot because it was structural. You know, stem cells will help some soft tissue heal, but if your bone's overgrown and misshaped, I mean, stem cells aren't going to change the shape of a bone. So they had to go in and, and, you know, change some architecture in there.
0: I mean, uh, from what I've heard, you know, bone repair, like when a bone heals itself, it's almost like when you weld onto some metal, like the weld is actually sometimes stronger. Than the actual metal that you're welding because of the the way it is for whatever reason, but I hear I hear it's like that with bone, like the healed part of the bone is usually I, stronger.
1: I hope so. You know, I, yeah, you I mean so. I feel I feel pretty good. You know, I was in a lot of pain. Uh every day, like throughout the day. I would hurt when I would train, but it would be more so after, like the next day when I wake up or just staying on my feet a long time. But now my quality of life is a lot better. So I'm, I don't know if my sports performance, if I have more range of motion, not so much, but my pain level that I'm going through walking around every day is so much better now that I'm, I'm happy I did the surgery. But like you said, I've, I've broken my wrist, my hand. I've had two nose surgeries. I had my nose shattered in 2017. You know?
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, that's that's crazy. So. Uh, so who like I mentioned you mentioned some trainers here, so uh, this question is kind of an you know going off of that. like who or what, if anything, um, inspired you to kind of push yourself through getting into this type of career?
1: Man, I uh, I always enjoy I always knew like when I was growing up watching fights on TV and and watching historic fights, you know, Muhammad Ali footage and things like that, I always knew whatever they had, I had something, I had a piece of that in me, I knew that, I just knew that I can do that, and I didn't know anything about fighting, I didn't know how to throw a jab properly, but I just knew whatever those guys, that grittiness, that fortitude, that, that pushing through adversity that those guys display every time they go through those kind of fights, I knew, it just resonated, I knew I had, I had that, I knew I had it, and so I wanted to fight and do it myself, that's why I started boxing, and then, um, yeah, I, I can't really say one particular name that that influenced me or or. I'm pretty sure there's several different. Yeah, yeah, there's a handful of, of people throughout the years that I watched and emulated and and copied things and and tried to mimic. But uh, I think it's just more inside of myself that I knew what I was watching, that I had that that grittiness and that want to to for for hand to hand combat like that. And I just kind of pushed myself and found out and you know, I explored. Went on my own journey and kind of found out myself, you know. Yeah. yeah. Learned on the job. Uh, so
0: you so you mentioned Muhammad Ali and what about uh is it the guy that can't speak right? He's got the tattoo on his face. Mike Tyson. Oh, Mike Tyson. Yeah. He uh... crazy.
1: You mentioned him. I just today got a package in the mail. He signed some gloves and a shirt for me. Wow, Mike Tyson. Just now got it. Yeah, I just posted on Instagram. That is so cool. I'm gonna have to check it out afterwards.
0: Um. So, so obviously Mike Tyson's a, a a boxer. Do you ever fear that, it, you know, sustained hits to the head would probably cause you
1: to develop some type of like, slur or anything like that? Yeah, this isn't good for you. You know, that's just uh, reality. You know, right. this this isn't good for you. And uh, I don't know if you, you don't seem like you probably not, not a huge combat sports fan.
0: If Look, you didn't I, know Mike Tyson's name, you probably no. Huge... I knew
1: Mike Tyson's name. I, I drew a blank. Forgive me, I drew a blank. Uh, but I mean, if you if you go back and just see some of the fights that I, yeah. you know, I'm I'm known for, and and what fans expect when I fight, it's bad. It's bad news, man. It's a car crash every time. It's a lot of blood, a lot of a lot of violence. You know, those are the kind of fights I'm usually involved in. Of course, I would love to go out there, and make it clean, and not get touched, and go home <laughs> and see my daughter with no scratches and stitches. But that's not the way I fight, and that's not the kind of matchups I get. I fight the best guys in the world every time out. And, and I find myself in those dog fights. It is not good for you. Every time I go in there, I leave a piece of myself that I can never get back. That's just reality. But also, I'm uh, leaving something behind for my family. I'm creating something, and it's worth it's it's worth the give and take. Yeah, to me, I mean, to me. you're building a legacy. Obviously, um,
0: I think over the past five years, I think I've heard your name come up more and more often uh, amongst the UFC kind of. I know there's uh, there's several Khabib. was one that you recently fought him, um, and obviously, look, you, you mentioned that I may not be the biggest combat uh, sport fan. I I love to watch it whenever there's like a big fight. So like yours, for example, was uh, was crazy. Uh, I watched the um, like some of the, uh, the female fighters. Uh, I'm drawing major blanks on their names because for whatever there's reason, there's so many, man. Yeah, so there many. is. Um, but there's also the Irish guy, and I think you mentioned him before. Conor? Yeah, no. yeah, McGregor. Uh, and, you know, watching them guys fight, it, it's it's crazy. Uh, but so at what point do you feel that you're going to step away out of the ring? Is there any point in life where you feel like, okay, this is the time to call it quits?
1: Man, you know, the... In the in fighting industry, the the fighter's usually the last person to to come to that conclusion and say I'm done. You know, <laughs> it's everybody around you that says you should you should hang it up, you should stop. You know, the fighter always has one more left in him. You know, he yeah. thinks. But I, I, you know, years ago, probably when I was early twenties, I set a goal to fight. So I'm thirty five. You know, I'm thirty one. I'll be thirty two in January. I, I think I'm just entering my prime right now. You know, uh, so you physically you... and mentally, I think I have a couple of really prime time years left. But I, I won't fight past 35 years old. Okay. To say if I do fight when I'm 35, it might be once, twice, but I will not fight past 35. Okay. Is there is there a particular reason why 35 is the number? I, I had my first fight when I was 18. I think I turned pro in 2009. Oh, I'm sorry, in 2009. It's just a lot of years, a lot of fights. Yeah. You know? It's just not like we were talking about, it's not good for you. Yeah. And uh, I've said this before, but I don't want to love this sport, which I do it's it's given me opportunities to, to have things that i never and do things and go places and meet people that i never could have done um, through a different avenue of work and and lessons you know i've learned so much through through combat and through adversity and and through just digging down and finding out who i am you know i just appreciate it it's a beautiful thing it, it really is but i don't want to love it so much that it kills me and, I, and our takeaway like we're talking about and when i'm 55 60 years old i don't remember my name you know yeah. i don't want to do that to my family if i was on my own out here with nothing to, to care about, I'll fight to till, till the wheels for a But I think 35 is you're still young, you know, and I had a full career in the sport, been to the highest of the highs, the lowest of the lows in the sport, done it all. And uh, 35 is young, you still have a whole other life and a whole other career whatever that will be for me, right. I can start over from scratch, I can go to college, I can do anything for a couple of years and then start a whole new career and still be a young man in that, in that aspect or whatever it is. So I think 35 is a good age.
0: You know, it's crazy you mentioned 35, because I'll be 35 in February next year, and I'm thinking to myself, like I, feel like, I feel like 35 is almost the end. I'm like, God, and I have to tell myself it's not, and here you are, you've done so much with, you know, your fighting career, and you're calling it 35 is the end for that career, and then by you saying that it's a, it's a time to be able to start fresh, I'm thinking like, God... I, it's the same thing for me. I could I could do something the, on a whim at 35 years old too, and still feel young. I'm like, dude, hell yeah, 35 is is young. It's so weird to think about. Like I used to think 50 was like ancient, and now I'm like, 50 yeah, <laughs> not that far away. Kind of young too. Yeah, 50's not
1: that far away. I mean, think about 35. You you start a new craft, you start a new focus on something. You can put 20 years into it and be 55. That's still pretty young, man. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know. Uh, speaking of. Uh, not to not to speak on age, but you're you're good friends with Tim Metcalf, mm-hmm. and uh, I believe Tim is also, and you may be friends with him, Bob Moore. Uh-huh. So they're all, they're both fighters in their own right.
1: Uh, I cornered Tim in the fight with Bob at, really? the, at Cypress Bayou, yeah.
0: So so what's your relationship with uh, Tim and Bob?
1: So I don't know Bob uh, personally. I know him from he used to commentate local fights back in the day. Kind of met him through that, obviously Paspa two. Yeah. And uh, just him being a local, so you know uh, everybody knows Bob Moore. Right? But Tim Metcalf, I met him when I was an amateur fighter. We were working out at a place called Elite Fitness Kettlebells. Mm-hmm. Met him there and uh, became friends. You know, we were sweating and training side by side, doing fitness stuff. I would go there to like, to do my strength and conditioning training for four fights. And uh, like I said, I met him there and he sponsored me when I was a young fighter, helped me out. And then we oh, just kind of, yeah, I've always had a good relationship. Um, him and his wife have been, have been great friends.
0: Yeah, so it's interesting. So uh, Tim and I, we're friends on Facebook. And, of course, he has uh, the the local restaurant, Dino's. So anytime something goes on with Dino's, like a renovation or expansion, I'm always trying to cover it. Uh And so uh, I'll message Tim and uh, also his son. So, so like, Tim is this really cool guy. I I honestly forgot where I was going to go with this. But uh, so I I remember Um, he goes with you. Almost everywhere. Anytime you fly out of the country or go like uh,
1: pretty far out of state, he's always like by your side. He's he goes to. I mean, for the last I don't even know seven eight years, he's probably gone to ninety five percent of my fights. You know, Um, if he can make it there, he's there. Yeah,
0: Um, and the reason why I mentioned that there was many a times where uh, Tim would start posting pictures because. He said he was flying out of the country, and then he would start taking pictures of where he would end up. And one of the places that was memorable for me to see where he was, and of course, uh, you were there. Uh, I believe it was either Abu Dhabi or Dubai, one of those uh, particular places.
1: Uh, what goes on out there? Was it a fight or was it training in those places? It was a fight in, in it was Abu Dhabi, fight. yeah.
0: Which fight I was that? I spent a little
1: bit of time in Dubai, but the fight was actually in, on Yas Island in Abu Dhabi. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was UFC, I don't know the, the number of it, but that was when, when I tried to unify the, the belts. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, what was a particular fight that you can recall that was most memorable for your career so far?
1: I mean, every one is, is the, the last one's the most important one. Right. You know, the next one's the most important one. And... Uh, Maybe my first main event win in the UFC was a big deal because you know you're just at the top of the bill, that all the interviews and all the lead up to the fight, it, it's all the press, it's all about the main event. Maybe the first, my first main event win was a pretty big milestone in my career. But let me just say that the biggest win of my career is my first win in the UFC. Yeah, I fought New Year's Day 2011, and uh, you know I got my hand raised, my UFC debut. That was the biggest win in my career because it. Proved to myself that I belonged there with the best guys. And I fought the number one contender at the time. Just proved to myself and to everybody who's been following me and supporting me that that I'm the real deal. You know, I'm competing with the best guys in the world and getting my hand raised. You know, and it was in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand. It just felt really yeah. big to me, man.
0: Yeah. And your last fight was in Las Vegas.
1: My last fight was in Las Vegas, yeah. But
0: without the crowd, of course.
1: Yeah, we had the bubble, man. We were in the UFC Apex. Everything was no crowd. No, it was pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah. I bet. Um uh, so, so for those listening, and of course, uh, I'll be honest myself, how does uh, ranking go uh, goes for UFC? So like, let's say you wanted to have a fight with Conor McGregor. How would that be facilitated? Is there a particular rank where he may be, where you may be? Like, How does something like that
1: develop? There is a ranking system. They do have a top, I think, 15. Um, I'm ranked number two right now. Conor's ranked number three or four. So sure. you're above Connor at the moment.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, he's got one win in the UFC lightweight division, right? Yeah, yeah. One win I have. And you have, you have a few. I have a lot of win. I mean, your
0: record is 26-6 uh, according to, um, I believe it's the UFC website.
1: 26-6 and one no contest. Yeah, one no contest. I had a yeah. no contest in Dallas a couple years ago. Dallas, Texas. So
0: uh, I, I'm unfamiliar with, what does no contest mean? it means like it's uh is that like when you some- play tic tac toe and like y'all just kind of tied
1: kind kind of <laughs> it's kind of like a push betting. what uh, something gets something happens where uh like a fighter uh, it's hard to explain okay. the fight the fight doesn't finish nobody's a winner something happens illegal some like in this particular fight an illegal blow was thrown that caused a you know a bunch of stuff to happen and uh they didn't call it a Deliberate strike from the other guy, so it's not a disqualification, but the match can't continue, so it's considered a no contest. Okay, in Japan, they have a lot of no contests because there's like, but it's just every athletic commission, every uh governing body, is, it's different. But in Japan, they have a lot of no contests, in America, not so much, but something crazy has to happen for it to be a no contest. Like, let's just say me and you fight, I beat you, and then I fail a drug test, that becomes a no oh. contest. Okay. Yeah, okay. that becomes that a no sense. contest. So that it's not a sense. loss on your record anymore. It's just a no contest. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I'm curious though, where did the
1: name uh, Diamond come from? What, how did you get that name? Tim, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Tim Crater. Yeah. Uh, former UFC fighter. Yeah, he has know, a... Lafayette a, business uh, yeah. owner. Yeah. Uh, he was one of my trainers for, for a while. I figured. He still that's... is my like my jiu-jitsu head coach. He always will be. But... Uh, he he gave me the name when I was young, uh, training at his gym here. He had turned a back room of an Anytime Fitness into a, like a martial arts room, and we were training there. And he just called me the Diamond. So uh,
0: did he ever like tell you why he called you the Diamond? I mean, obviously, Diamond cuts glass.
1: Like, is there is it because a diamond, the
0: strength of a diamond?
1: There was a kickboxer uh, named Raymond Deckers, okay, the Diamond, and uh, he was very aggressive, very offensive style fighter. Very damaging. Rest in peace. He 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 passed away not too long ago. And uh, but that I think Tim got the inspiration from that. Okay. Yeah. My fighting style is just very offensive, very damaging.
0: Oh yeah, that's uh, that's for for sure. Oh that's cool. Um, so I'm curious. So with your uh, athletic ability, of course, and your your skills, um, how important is it? And obviously I I know it's important, but like when let's say you're out in public, okay, and Forget that the coronavirus is a thing. Let's say it's normal life and you're out and about and a fight ensues publicly. Uh, obviously, an unofficial fight. Like, this is a raw <laughs> fight. Uh, is it? Is it almost like you have a deadly weapon on your person? Kind of like if you had a gun on your person. Not to say you do, but like just your, your ability, uh, your fighting ability. Are you trained enough to, like, to the point where you have to utilize your fighting skills at a certain point? Like, how, how would you go about seeing a fight that you felt like you had to be involved
1: in? I, I mean, for sure, my skill set is by far, for hand-to-hand combat, anybody walking in Lafayette, Louisiana, 99.9% of the people walking in Lafayette, Louisiana, my understanding of hand-to-hand combat is no comparison.
0: Well, let me tell you, I would, first of all, I would not want to be involved in the fight where you were about to get involved. Yeah, I, you know, like, like, I'm uh,
1: out. I have a particular set of skills, like the movie Taken. Yeah. That, yes. That's how it's like, but I don't, I would, uh, that's the last thing I want to do is fight. Right. You know, especially if I'm not getting paid for it, obviously, especially if I can get obviously. in trouble. I don't want to be part of anything. That's why I don't go to nightclub. I don't do anything. I yeah, hang out with my family because yeah. I don't want no trouble with anybody, you know, um, That's what I do for a living. Yeah. You
0: know? And and especially if you're out and about, especially at a club, I mean, you could have that that one guy who's had too many drinks. I promise you. And he's like, oh, that's Dustin. I'm
1: going to go box with him. Yeah. I promise you that would happen. You don't want that. I don't want They don't want that. Yeah. They don't want that.
0: Well, when I say you,
1: they. Yeah. But I know (laughs) you don't want We don't want it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. uh, was there a particular fight that was the most challenging for you? Like, is there a, a fight that you remember like just being super difficult and
1: weighed on you the most? There, there. I mean, post fight, there's been more fights that weighed on me more than others. But during the fight, they're all they're all hard and it it sucks, man. It's uncomfortable. It's a, a weird feeling, you know. But at the same time, it's it's a a good place, you know. It's it's a weird. Do you feel it's a pa- weird thing to try to explain? Do you feel the pain when you're fighting? So it depends what you know. It depends what slight, not not much. The adrenaline's such, such yeah, a strong yeah. drug, you know.
0: At what point does it? Do you finish? Whenever you finish fighting, at what point does the pain really start to kind of like resonate? Because it has to resonate. Probably
1: five minutes after you oh, get out yeah. the, the the cage and walk to the back and start getting seen by the doctor, you know. Then then reality starts to set in and everything hurts. Oh yeah, I bet yeah. God. Yeah, it's it's pretty and the next day is bad too cuz you're just so busted up and swollen, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. So after the fight with uh Dan, the one you actually won the last fight, right? Uh that was your last fight, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, June. yeah. Um yeah, looking at your face, you looked you looked pretty beat, but it was a it was a it was a good-looking beat like okay he took some pain yeah. but he won that one like yeah. like i could tell he's wearing those pretty proudly right there dude I'll, I'll,
1: yeah anytime you get your hand raised you're wearing them proudly but pretty much all of the fights I, I win i'm still hurting you know it's 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 not easy it's it's pretty pretty hardcore in there
0: so so what's the time span between fights like is there uh because obviously this fight happened what was it uh in the june july beginning june. Of july? Yeah. yeah uh uh, like, how, how long do you have to wait, or is there a waiting
1: period for a next fight? It goes to uh, the athletic commission and doctors who govern the shows. Um, if you have cuts, they might give you a 30 day suspension, no contact for 30 days. After 30 days, you can fight. Um, depends if you're, you know, if you have to, sometimes they, they suspend you until you get something checked out. If your hand's swollen, they say you're suspended 90 days until you get a clean x ray or a clean MRI. What, just, you know, precautionary <clears> stuff <throat> like that. But usually, um, in hard fights like that one, they would probably give me a 90-day suspension. I wouldn't be able to fight in 90 days. Okay. Yeah.
0: So um, is that kind of what's happening right now? Do you have a, uh, a, a, a waiting
1: period before your next fight? I think I'm free to go right now. I mean, I'm, I'm free to train again and all that. Uh, it's just right now at this point in my career, I'm number two. There's only number one in the champion ahead of me. It, a lot of fights don't make a whole lot of sense. When you're at the bottom like climbing your way up, yeah. there's so many fights that make sense for your career. But when you get to the top, it's only very strategic fights you need to take to continue to climb and get to the pinnacle. So right now, I'm just kind of in a holding pattern until something comes up, something that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, just okay. kind of waiting for the right offer.
0: Um, so one of my friends, he's actually in the building. He's uh, left a comment. He goes, Dustin, congrats on a hell of a win over Dan Hooker and also winning the Forrest Griffin Community Award. Can you talk a little about the work you do with the
1: Good Fight Foundation? Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. Me and my wife started the Good Fight Foundation two years ago, I want to say. And, I mean, in the last two years, we've done some awesome things. Not we. We've. I mean, we as in everybody, the, the world, who's donated and shared and posted about it and helped us raise funds to get these things done. But me and my wife, I was in training camp for a Justin Gaethje who's the interim champion right now me and him were getting ready to fight and we decided to start a foundation because i had donated money and i had sold fight gear previously stu- like previously worn things yeah. um auctioned it off and took the money and donated it to things around lafayette trying to help the community i've done that a few times and me and my wife were sitting back in that training camp and we were like let's let's turn this into an actual foundation where we start getting sports memorabilia and selling and auction it off and and get donations and let's try to really help you know the communities in need around La- Lafayette and around the world yeah. and uh, we started the Good Fight Foundation you know we just started a nonprofit like mom and pop style we didn't know anything about it created our own website didn't know anything man <laughs> just kind of rough, roughed it and, and it turned out into what, what it is now and we've done some amazing things dude I'm really proud of the Good Fight Foundation
0: well, no, that's, uh, that's awesome. I mean, that's usually how things work. When you bootstrap them yourself, you're more proud of it. And all yeah, that
1: and jumping into that, I didn't know anything about the nonprofit or charitable world. I didn't, yeah. besides, yeah. like I said, selling some gloves that I had. I was actually moving back to Louisiana mm-hmm. when I first started selling some stuff. My daughter was just born, and uh, I had drawers full of fight-worn stuff because you don't wash it, you know. So the shorts and gloves have blood, and it's just kind of gross. Yeah, you don't want that. It's kind of, you know, you leave that piece of history connected to it the blood and stuff so it's just uh, 10 fights that's cool but then 20 30 40 fights of fight worn things it's kind of gross you know you have (laughs) a dresser full of bloody stuff starting to stink and it's like oh man you know instead of hoarding this pieces of of fight stuff i can i can sell it and auction it and uh you know help people in need so that's what we did and now and it's kind of grown into the Good Fight Foundation, where, where it is now, and also other fighters are starting to donate stuff from uh, big fights and local fighters donating stuff that we auction off, and we got a fund right now going on for Lebanon. Um, oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah. F- f- for the explosion uh, to relieve some of the, to to help out in any way we can. You know, we we just recently built some uh, water wells in uh, Africa. We've done a bunch of stuff around Lafayette. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's a
0: that's quite the work right there yeah man
1: it's it's exciting and it's, it's incredible to see how much stuff and how far we've gone in two years you know yeah, yeah.
0: well uh that was a, a great comment there thomas and uh i mean i'm glad he uh, asked because i obviously i dug some i dug some history and all that good stuff and i was like i was trying to trying to make sure i got some good questions and uh obviously uh, i didn't catch that yeah. Uh, we, we
1: also built uh, at Prairie Elementary built a, a playground for disabled children.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That's the uh, is it French immersion, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I, so people that are watching US, U, uh, UFC and you know especially the the, the pre fight kind of meetups and you know there's that moment where you have to like face your opponent and like have the this, this stare off like. Describe that moment. Is that a real like emotional like anger moment or like what goes in your head like? Because it looks like the when you're you're staring off like any of the fighters when they're staring off they it looks like they just want to clock each other, each other right then and there. Like, what is it really like? Is it
1: describe? I mean, that. Uh, depends how the lead up to the fight was. If a guy's talking a lot of trash then maybe that stare down is a little bit more anger and stuff like that. But on a competitive edge, like you're looking at a person that is gonna to try to you know damage you and take you out of here try to knock you out try to hurt you um, and, and you know that they're standing in the way of the victory in the way of what's next progression of your career whatever whatever the goals you have in your fighting career that person you know that 15 or 25 minutes that you're about to fight with them them standing there in front of you that that's that's the, the hurdle you know they're the hurdle so when you're looking at each other you just 10-12 weeks of preparation you know about to happen right now you know mm. they they brought their best it's intense man
0: yeah it looks it's like intense
1: it. but i mean a lot of times it's not anger or hate or anything, okay you know okay. for me most of the time it's not so at this at that point it
0: is basically like you said a hurdle it's you to get to your next point in your career you have to get past them so you're not looking at them as a i mean as a person of of course but as a as a mountain that you got to get around yeah okay yeah okay. Yeah. So no hate, no anger. Okay, but look. I mean, I
1: mean, I have had that before in fights. Uh, I, I try to leave emotions out of it. That yeah. stuff doesn't do good for me, you know. Well,
0: whenever uh, one of the fights with Conor McGregor, he looked like he was talking so much trash. Like, he's a trash talker. He always
1: does, which is an art to fighting as well. Yeah. You know, getting inside your head. Muhammad Ali was great at it. God. it just. Mike Tyson I'll, was great at it. You know, putting fear into guys.
0: It just... But watching it happen for some people, especially me, I'm like, God, I'm so annoyed. Like, I just want to go, like, fight the dude myself. <laughs> uh, of course, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't advise that for myself. But uh, nah. uh So, so what is next? So, like, after, yeah, I know you said you mentioned you want to look at 35 as kind of the endpoint. What is next for you after that, and maybe before that? Like, is there a particular fight that you want to have before you you call it? You know, I don't want to say call it quits, but, you know, you end your your fighting
1: career. I, I would like to be the undisputed world champion, you know, to say that I've reached a, the apex, you know, the, the, the best in the world at that weight. You know, I got a piece of it. I was the interim world champion and uh, I don't want to have that asterisk next to that accomplishment for the rest of my life. Yeah, he was a champion, but he was the interim champion. Yeah, uh, I want to be the undisputed world champion. No questions about it. So what is it going to take for you to get that? I think one more win, and I'm there again. I'm there challenging for the title again. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh,
0: so 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 one more win. Um, I looked up some stuff and some recent uh, – you can debunk this if this is not true. This is what the internet says, of course. Uh, sometimes It's got to be true. It's got to be true, right? Um, so a Michael Chandler apparently hinted at fighting with you. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, the tweet – uh yeah, yeah. And then also you expressed interest in fighting with uh a Tony Ferguson and a Nate uh is it Diaz? Diaz. Diaz, yeah. Uh, so are those are those people particular a stepping stone or is that just kind of like a passive uh fight just to keep your keep yourself engaged in? The UFC? At, th- at
1: this point in my career, uh I, I don't wanna take any Keep myself busy fights. I've had enough of those. I have 43 or 44 fights. I don't want to fight just to fight. It has to mean something more, like a, a chance to be the world champion or a super fight to where we're breaking records or something yeah. like that. I don't want to just fight just to get into a fight. Um, the Tony fight, well, first start with the Chandler. Chandler's coming over, maybe possibly from Bellator, another fighting organization. He's a free agent right now. He might sign to the UFC. I'm sure he's kind of testing the, the free agency in the open market and seeing what other companies are going to offer him. So if he does come over to the UFC, he's obviously a type top lightweight. You know, he's one of the best fighters in the world. Uh, multiple time, former world champion. If he comes over and the stars align, that'd be a great fight for the fans. We'll see what the UFC wants to do. Um, the, the Nate Diaz fight, we were supposed to fight. it fight fell apart. He he's, plays a lot of games. And, and, but, um, and he's a superstar in the sport. You know, him and his brother are icons in, in mixed martial arts. And I'm a fan of his, so that's a fight that I would love to take part of, be, be part of, the Tony fight. Now Tony's another a guy who was a former interim world champion. He just recently lost to a guy that I beat, who's the current interim champion. Uh, it's a web of fights here, man. Dude. Yeah, it's no, that's like definitely. Yeah, yeah. But uh, a very tough guy, very violent guy, known for ha- having bloody, bloody fights, wars. Um, me and him would put on a great show. And I kind of think that that's the way things are leaning. But I'm still waiting to get a call from the UFC to find out what's next. Mm-hmm. You know, but all three of those fights are exciting fights.
0: Okay, so those fights would potentially put you at the
1: top spot. A win over any one of those guys is, yeah.
0: Okay, okay. How long...
1: And uh, and you know the guy who's, I'm, I'm number two, the guy who's number one, is yeah. he's the interim title holder, he's fighting the champ. If he beats the champ, I've already beaten him. So that probably sets up a rematch for the title right there without me fighting again. Okay. So it's kind of how the cards fall and, and what offers I get. You know, it just at this point in my career, I've never really been in this position um, to sit around or be in a holding pattern to wait what happens or wait for the right offer. But I am now at this point, so I'm just gonna keep training, have fun, stay in shape, yeah, stay a student of the game, keep learning, and, and wait for the right offer or the right fight. And when now when, when they call with it, I'll know and, and we'll do it. Awesome. Well, uh, it's business, man.
0: Yeah, it's definitely. It sounds like business. I can't wait to uh, to see what happens. To see if any of these particular fights with these gentlemen uh, transpire. All tough fights. All, all great fighters. Um, and like I, I guess my, one of my questions were, and I, you kind of already answered it, was uh, what would be the ultimate level in the UFC and you said uh, world champion, correct? Undisputed world champion. Yeah, undisputed. What is, uh, obviously I know what undisputed means, but what does it mean in UFC? So like, if you make it to that point, that means that for how long are
1: you the undisputed champion? Like. Until I mean forever, if you keep defending the belt, as long as you have the belt, you're the undisputed champ.
0: Okay, so let's say you became undisputed champ, you hit 35, and you're you you're no longer so supposedly no longer fighting. But let's say you do want to maintain that position, like what would you have to do? I
1: guess you don't. I mean, if 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 I (laughs) if I retire from fighting, then you relinquish the belt. Yeah. Okay. And then the number one and the number two guys. You know contest for that, okay. Yeah, okay, kind of like what I did when I won the interim world championship. The champion at the time got suspended, so number one and number two fought each other. You know, gotcha. Same thing, what just happened again. Um, I don't know the reason that they put another interim world championship, but the, in the lightweight division, the guy who I was just talking about that I beat, Justin Gaethje he, him, and Tony Ferguson fought. They were the number one and number two guys, they fought for the interim world championship while the champion was out, so you know. Yeah, and it sets up the unification fight. Awesome. So, okay. Yeah, so the guy at the top of the mountain is the undisputed world champ. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm gonna have to dig in a little bit more because I love watching the UFC fights, but I don't know. It's kind of like, um, dude, I'm gonna really expose myself here, but like football. I learn up on football to be able to understand what's happening in major games. I don't follow football enough to like keep track of it. Uh, I know I know enough but like every once in a while there'll be a, a call or a particular play and I'm like looking to my guys who are watching football all the time I'm like what's happening <laughs> like so uh, look I am a uh, technology guy I can tell you all the different things happen in technology but it's super fascinating to know uh, what's happening and especially UFC because I've always been fascinated with UFC especially like I mentioned uh, in high school whenever we were all playing UFC on Xbox uh, I didn't understand. What UFC was about uh-huh. I just knew that You know you had some good fights and I've Watched you know YouTube videos Of these guys like using their elbow and Just wailing on these guys Heads and I'm like that can't be legal <laughs> Like I don't know if it is I don't know if it's a thing but
1: um, yeah, it's, it's legal
0: so you can You can really give an elbow to
1: someone's head Yeah God. Like, And I do it <laughs> you, I'm, I'm pretty sure you've done it uh, Like what You can is, knee somebody in the face you can
0: need somebody in the face. Yeah. Has
1: anybody? I mean, it doesn't ever, get more brutal than that.
0: Has anybody ever
1: died? Like I know that's a, a morbid question, but has anybody ever died from a UFC fight? Not, uh, not in the UFC. There have been fighters who you know passed away. I think in, in, not many in mixed martial arts, but I think there have been probably from taking shots, uh, maybe brain swelling, but. Uh, Nah, but that but happens
0: that, in football, too. Brain it, it happens in boxing. Yeah. It can
1: happen in anything where you're, you know... Taking blows to the yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. But okay. no, it's not a thing that happens often. Okay.
0: Because like, yeah. I'm like, you know, look, look. Ah, that'd be crazy if somebody did that. Like, what in the world? Like, ah, I couldn't even process that. Um, before we go, we're at about 47 minutes. Uh, we got a Zach Murano. Uh He says, or he's asking... Uh, who do you hope to fight next, uh, Tony, or are you interested in finding, fighting Michael? So I guess he's asking, which one would you rather at this point, if you could, Tony or Michael?
1: Man, whichever one pays more, honestly. I'll fight, uh, I'll fight both the guys. Um, but I think what's more, I don't know. It, it, it just depends what, what the UFC says happens after. If they tell me I get a title shot with fighting Michael, I'll fight Michael. If I get a title shot with fighting Tony I fight Tony you know that's what it comes down to I think Chandler if he does cross over to the UFC would probably want to get his feet wet in the organization um, fight a top ranked guy maybe a top 10 top 5 guy get a win and then maybe start challenging you know uh, the top of the division but he's a former champion himself coming over so maybe he can jump right into the deep end we'll see interesting times if he does come over you know that's going to open up a lot of fun new fights in the UFC lightweight division that's already stacked with talent and, and exciting fighters um but i kind of feel like the stars are more aligning towards the tony fight. We'll see man, we'll see. I'm just waiting on that phone to ring. <laughs> waiting on the phone to ring man.
0: Oh yeah. Well cool. Uh look man, this is all i've got. Uh i got a lot i think answered and uh, i hope that those who are watching are, uh think that i did did fine cuz i mean having you here in person i'm pretty sure other people are like why didn't he ask this? Like forgive me if i don't ask all the right questions. Uh I think I got I got some good questions in
1: though. Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, all right, man. Well, cool. Look, uh, I just want to let everybody know that if you aren't following Dustin already, he has an, a a very uh, a very busy Instagram following. So uh, I think that if you want to follow Dustin, check him out on Instagram. Uh, it's just Dustin Poirier. Yep. Yep. So uh, check him out. You'll find him, I and mean, he's got the little blue check mark, you know, that shows that he's official and all that good stuff. Uh, you post all your your. Your basically your life. So if you have a fight, you post that on there. Your family. I've seen oh, I've yeah. seen all kind of pictures on there. So. Yeah,
1: Instagram is kind of like social media. There's Twitter, Facebook, all the stuff. Obviously, I kind of just mostly use uh, Instagram, and it's kind of like a, pretty much how everybody uses it. a snapshot yeah. into my life, stories, yep. what's going on every day, and things like that.
0: Awesome. Well, Dustin, I really appreciate you uh, coming in and sitting with me. I know uh, you being so busy and you're out of town all the time. You probably could have, you know sat down anywhere else but i oh, really do on, appreciate man. that you're uh
1: you on. i appreciate you uh you know giving out info and, and representing louisiana and lafayette especially
0: doing my best man
1: yeah me too man and uh anybody listening who hasn't heard of the good fight foundation go check it out at thegoodfightgroup.com me and my wife started this thing from the grassroots and uh you know i'm, I'm really proud of it check it out
0: awesome yeah you check it out and uh anyway that is it it's uh, friday guys obviously so go join enjoy yourself uh try to enjoy yourself as much as you can of course with the the whole pandemic and all that good stuff so anyway that is it masks up i oh, know yeah mask up right all right dustin For information on sponsoring the Tea Podcast by Developing Latvia, go to our website at developinglafia.com and click Advertise.